Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. Today, I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Cynthia Anderson. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe, and let's dive in. In August of 1981, 20-year-old Cynthia Anderson was working at a legal office in Toledo, Ohio. She worked as a secretary in the office of James Rabbit and Jay Feldstein and was planning to quit to attend a religious university. Cynthia was raised in a very religious household and she was very involved with her church and church events. She had met her boyfriend at the time through church. So as you can tell, Cynthia's religion was very important to her. During that summer, while Cynthia was working at the law office, some weird things started to happen. She began getting some weird phone calls, which were starting to startle her. A client of the law office, Larry Mullins, describes a time that He was in the office and Cynthia had received a phone call. And when she answered it, she kind of reacted. And he said you could tell from her face that she was nervous and scared. And she hung up and then the phone kept ringing like they were calling back. Apparently, this had happened quite a few times during the summer of her working there where she would just keep getting these phone calls. However, I'm not sure if she ever described if it was like a man calling her or who it was or what they were saying. But everyone around her said that they could tell that she was like visibly shook by it. So far, this is reminding me of Dorothy Jane Scott that we covered last year, where she was getting a bunch of weird phone calls to her work as well. And coworkers were noticing. I agree. I thought of that too, when I was researching this episode. And honestly, I think it happens a lot more than we even realize where Through work, you know, somebody creepy kind of takes notice of women and then takes advantage of it. And when you're in a position like that, like, what can you really do unless you want to quit your job? Another strange thing that happened to Cynthia while she was working at the law office is across from their building, someone spray painted, quote, I love you, Cindy, by GW, end quote, which Cynthia did go by Cindy. And they were pretty sure that no other Cindy's or Cynthia's had worked in that area. She was in an office building that was connected to other businesses. And so they were pretty sure this was focused on her and it was perceived that way. So it seems like that was a very pointed thing to the only Cindy or Cynthia working there. I would be so creeped out if I walked out. Like, that's not a romantic gesture. That Unless, unless I guess, unless maybe her boyfriend did it and there was, like, flowers around. But, like, I'm just imagining this to be written in, like, blood. <laughs> and I'm just imagining it to be creepy. I'm trying to remember if it said it was red spray paint or if I just envisioned it that way. But in my head, it's definitely red spray paint that kind of looks like blood. That's how I'm. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So it's just like really creepy. What if it's actually like it was super artistic and beautiful and it was like a mural of her? It might be. Do you have a photo? (laughs) I do not. Dang it. I do think, though, it's one. It's funny that we both immediately went to red paint or red blood. But. If it was the boyfriend, I still think he should have just like given her like a handwritten note or done something different. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and just throw it out there. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the boyfriend. Um, I don't think those were his initials. Also, from what I gathered, that's not what they thought at all. Also, yeah, I kind of assumed, but I didn't know. I didn't want to rule out your theories. 
I think the fact that it startled her and made her uncomfortable means it probably wasn't her boyfriend. And if so, he really missed the mark there. That, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's creepy even if it was her boyfriend. Because he went about it in a weird way. It's a weird gesture. No matter who it came from. We don't spray paint weird things on walls. Well, that's not really fair to say. Something, I mean, there's art and then there's like creepy messages, I think is what we're going to go with here. So GW, stop it. Well, they ended up covering it up and then it came back, but larger. They like painted over it and covered it up? Yeah, they covered it up and then the, the same note, same wording was spray painted again, but larger this time. Okay, now it's hella creepy because that means that this person is like stalking that area making sure and they want this to be seen. Like that's creepy as anything. From what I would assume would be the stress of all this, Cynthia begins having these nightmares where she is getting attacked and kidnapped by a man and she tells some of her family and close people close to her in her life about these nightmares. Her employers did take some precautions for Cynthia to try to make her feel more comfortable. They installed a button that was at her desk that she could push if she ever felt like something bad was happening and it would alert one of the nearby businesses. That's actually really nice of them. Yeah, and they also instructed her and they followed this too. They would keep the office locked throughout the day, even during business hours. So when people came, I would assume they would like knock or something, but they kept it locked so that she could feel a little bit more comfortable. Those are a lot of precautions that are really nice that I don't think a lot of places would take. I think if something like that was happening, I would definitely, and I'm assuming maybe she did too, consider the possibility of leaving and going somewhere else. But it sounds like she was valued by her employers and they said, we'll make you feel comfortable. And you know, you're talking about her leaving. She only had about two weeks left once August hit before she was going to be done at the job and start school. And I don't know if that was because of the creepy circumstances or she was just planning on starting school anyway. On Tuesday, August 4th, 1981, Cynthia decided to skip breakfast with her parents. She was living with her parents at the time, and she left her house around 830 in the morning to head to work. She drove to the law office and around noon, her employer, which was one of the attorneys, James Rabbit, arrived at the office. The lights were on, the radio was on, but he didn't see Cynthia anywhere. And all the desks were prepared. So for Cynthia's job, she would get in there before the attorneys and kind of get the office ready, set up for them for the day. And they came in a little bit later. So all this stuff and the task that she typically does was done, but she was not there. However, the office was locked and her car was in the parking lot. And inside the office, her keys and purse were in there. We do know that she was answering phone calls up until 9.45 in the office, but phone calls that came in at 10 a.m. went unanswered. Another thing that was notable about the office, there was no sign of a struggle. Cynthia's vehicle was in the parking lot, but her keys and purse were missing. So it's kind of like she was absolutely there, but maybe she left to go with somebody and took her keys and wallet with her? Here's the thing. She had... Prior to this, whenever she left the office, she would put the phones on hold. So they would go like straight to a voicemail, I presume. And she would leave a note every time she'd done it before. But this was not the case in this situation. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. 
owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. So it's like she left in a hurry, or... I'm not sure. There's no sign of a struggle, but James Rabbit does say that this was really out of the ordinary. So to me, it just kind of sounds like maybe she left in a hurry and maybe it was with somebody that she kind of knew. If there were no signs of a struggle, like maybe maybe her boyfriend showed up at work, just for example, maybe her boyfriend showed up at work and said like, hey, I need you to come with me. And like she went with him. Right. But then why wouldn't she still do the normal thing so that she does like leave a note saying I'll be right back? I just meant like maybe he was like, we need to go now. Like maybe it was like a life or death situation. She just felt like she really needed to hurry and didn't have time to do that. But also, I mean, I know how our stories go. I'm going to assume something worse happened. I, but I just think in that situation, maybe I would have like been like, this is a little weird, but maybe something happened where she left in a hurry for some reason. Well, it wasn't with anybody immediately close to her because none of them, I mean, they were all questioned and they knew nothing about it. We do know that Around 9.45, she was still answering phone calls, but at 10 a.m., phone calls came in that did not get answered by Cynthia, so you can maybe assume that she was gone at this point or ignoring it. Something notable that James Rabbit said when he came in was that it smelled like nail polish remover, which some people say like the acetone maybe is a smell that is similar to that of like chloroform. I don't know if that's indicative or any, of anything or maybe there's just some weird smell happening i have no idea also something weird on her desk a romance novel that she'd been reading was left open and it was on a page and that page was a part of the book where the main character is abducted by knife point which they thought was weird that it was on that page that is really weird as I said earlier, friends and family had no idea where she would go or any inkling that she would even take off without letting them know. That seemed really out of character for her. They checked her bank account where she had a significant amount of money and none of it had been taken out. And basically, she was just kind of gone without a trace. It kind of sounds like somebody might have taken her or something against her will. Possibly whoever left that note on the on the wall across the street. Glad you mentioned that. So obviously this disappearance makes news and police, you know, are putting out the information, trying to get anybody to come in with tips or knowledge of it if they know anything. And eventually they hear from this guy who admitted that he was the one who spray painted that note across the way from her office and that it was actually for a different Cindy who happened to be his girlfriend who also corroborated the story. So it had nothing to do with Okay, but we need to back up to when I said that it's creepy even if your boyfriend does it. <laughs> I know. Like, that's still creepy. Like, obviously, she was charmed by it. It's his girlfriend. Or she's just putting up with it. I don't know. But let's not, like, deface public property to tell your girlfriend you love them. <laughs> also, okay, here's the thing. They covered it up and he goes back out and does it again. <laughs> and at this point in time, they don't want to come forward and say that they did it. But now they decide to come forward when this girl's missing. Like, I guess that's good. Well, they're not going to come forward and be like, I spray painted on this. It was nice that he came forward when they were like, this is suspicious and maybe connected. And he was like, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's nice that he did come forward. But like also, 
Why? I don't know. I'm annoyed that he went back and repainted it. That just made it seem so much creepier. People are weird. With not a whole lot to go on, there's obviously a lot of theories that pop up. One being that she was abducted. And the thing is, here's the options with that. The office was always locked when she was there and that she just forgot for some reason randomly that day. But you would think that either she let somebody in or it was someone who already had access. So I'm going back to where I said it was probably somebody that she trusted. Possibly or like a customer that she knew and was familiar with. A client. Well, yeah, but also if you work, if you're working at a business and it's someone you don't know, but they're coming in for the business, you're going to let them in and you're not going to be like, I don't know you. Go away. Well, I guess in my head, I was just thinking... Since it's a law office, you would think that they would have like an appointment type thing or like there would be some sort of validation that like you're supposed to be here since they're taking these precautions and like locking the doors and stuff. I'm sure. But they might not have been. It's just kind of what I was thinking or hoping, I guess. I know. I'm looking at how I am, though. And if I were in this scenario, probably and working in an office and someone came in, like it would just walk in and there was an appointment, I would probably talk to them too and let them in. Like I would, I maybe, especially in this situation, maybe not, you shouldn't because you should be a little bit more cautious because she was getting the strange phone calls. But like, I can't see me being in a work environment and ignoring a customer or a potential customer. I kind of want to disagree with you on that for a moment because when we worked at the theater together, would you have like late at night, you were the only one downstairs, your coworker was somewhere else. Would you have like let that like a random person, like if you'd walked up to the door based on like if you felt creepy or like you'd known that somebody was like calling you repeatedly at work, like would you have just let somebody random in you think? Well, this was during business hours. Well, I mean at the theater we worked at, the business hours were kind of iffy anyways. Yeah, but this is at 9.45 in the morning, someone coming into a law office. Also, you can't just assume that it was someone creepy. I know. I just like asked like if you had like a bad feeling like or if you've been like getting all these calls or something and just kind of felt like creeped out. I genuinely think I still would. If so, if I if this person came up and I was like, you look like a murderer, you look creepy, then no. But you can't just assume that every murderer is obviously a murderer when they're in front of you. Yeah, I think I just feel like at that point, I'd be a little more cautious after I've been getting those calls and stuff. And I'd probably be like, I'm the only one here. Maybe Mm -hmm. let's wait a little bit. Like come back in an hour. I 100% agree. I bet a lot of people would be like that. I'm saying me personally, I can see where she would be maybe too trusting of it because I know I am. There was a custodian that had keys to different offices in the strip mall, but they looked into him and ruled him out. The reason they looked into him was because his initials were GW, and this was prior to them finding out about the note. This is going to be an ongoing thing for us where we talk about how weird this note was. (laughs) This note was really weird. (laughs) What a weird thing to do. In September of 1981, so about a month after Cynthia went missing, police received an anonymous phone call. And it sounded like a woman who was whispering and sounded nervous. And she claimed that Cynthia was being held in the basement of a white house where there were two white houses right next to each other. And they were owned by a family who was out of town and said that the son was holding Cynthia. Okay, first off, that's hella specific, yet very vague. A white house within two white houses? What? I'm so glad but you also, said it like that. like, the family's out of town, I know this, and the son's doing it and keeping her in the basement, but, like, I don't have any actual details for you. 
Right. And when the person who took the phone call was trying to say, like, you know, what's the address? What's the name of the family? Who are you? She ended up disconnecting the phone. Did she even have, like, a a town or a vicinity at all? Like, I think it was in the, I assume it was in the town they're in. But investigators and police looked everywhere they could and couldn't find. Can you look out my window really fast, Abby? There are two White Houses right next to each other. I'm just yeah. baffled by like that description. Well, here's the thing. Let me finish first. They police were looking around and they did not find a like positive location of this house that was described, if, I, if that's even the right word. But this leads into a theory. Okay. A theory that maybe Cynthia took off on her own. And maybe she made the call to try, like try to throw off investigators. Okay. I could, yeah. All right. Some reasoning for this. That would explain the specifics, but also the lack thereof. Right. Like the reason for this is it seems hard for somebody to get into the office to abduct her without a struggle. Also, that book being open to that page, some people assume maybe she did that to try to throw people off and make it seem like she was getting kidnapped. And... The fact that she didn't touch any of the money in her account, because if you pull money out, it looks a little suspicious. Like you did, you're still, you know, doing something. Her family doesn't think that she took off like that. Actually, later on, I think her father, when he passed away, he said he was pretty sure she was dead from some some outside source. What do you think about that? Do you think it's possible maybe she left? I always think it's possible for somebody to leave on their own accord. However, I struggle with the fact that it's now been 40 years since this happened and she's not been seen or heard from. I'm assuming is where this is going to go because you're telling the story. And I like, I mean, you've heard me talk about it a hundred times on any case and that we cover where somebody just disappears into thin air and they're just never seen or heard from again. How? How do you just completely vanish? But you left on your own accord. I just I don't get it. I think you can do it, but you're going to put a lot of effort into doing it because you have to either have planned it really well and saved up money from an outside source or you have someone else who's involved. And that's something that comes up with this case because she grew up in maybe kind of a stricter household. People like to say that she was so involved with the church that maybe she was trying to get away from it. I don't know how accurate that is, but it's a theory, you know, and it's possible. Her dad did talk about how right before she disappeared, she was kind of like coming into her own and started like doing more with her hair and makeup, spending a little bit more time getting ready and coming out of her shell. I don't really understand why that would point to her taking off because she started doing her hair and makeup but obviously it comes up in some of people's like theories and opinions another theory well which we've kind of talked about maybe somebody taking her or kidnapping her but there is some thought that maybe she had overheard something she wasn't supposed to hear so there was attorney named Richard Neller who worked at the office while Cindy worked there And he had a client named Jose Rodriguez Jr. And in 1996, they were convicted for being involved in selling drugs, drug deals. And it's rumored that maybe Cynthia overheard something she wasn't supposed to hear. And because of that, they took her out so that they would not get caught. During Jose's trial, a witness actually said that at some point, Jose had admitted to murdering Cynthia. The judge ruled it as insufficient evidence and it didn't go anywhere. But that's still out there. And that's still, I think, something that would raise a couple red flags. I think it would raise some red flags. But but I also 
kind of maybe i always my thought process whenever somebody just randomly goes missing is that they maybe they left on their own accord and something bad happened to them and that's why they've not been seen or heard from so this would make perfect sense to me because with all the evidence that you gave all the description that you did i would think that it would need to be somebody that she would trust so it would need to be either somebody that worked in the law office with her and had access to the building because it was locked or a client that she knew that she felt comfortable letting in. I'm also going to say it was probably something somebody that she was slightly familiar with because she was receiving all of those phone calls. And that's the thing with this case. Are the phone calls relevant or is it just a coincidence? They, they might be. I mean, that was the same thing in the Dorothy Jane Scott case where they're mm-hmm. like, do the phone calls have anything to do with it? We don't know. Right. Because I mean, even, you know, as I presented this story, that note pops up and they think it's someone who's probably the same person calling her and harassing her is the same person spray painting and come to find out those things weren't even related. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that these phone calls were unrelated as well. Absolutely. I feel like it would make sense if it was somebody that she knew that like maybe took her. Also, if you want to kind of go down a rabbit hole with me for a second, when we were discussing the fact that she might have left on her own and had like put a lot of preparation into it and like maybe got made money on the side i did just kind of jokingly think for a split second maybe she was dealing some drugs and got some money that way so what if maybe she was somehow connected with these guys and was helping like in dealing drugs with them and getting some money so that she could leave on her own and maybe that was her plan and maybe she tried to leave and then maybe they did kill her or there's a whole lot of theories you can do yeah a lot of theories for sure i don't want to put on that she seemed like she had any ties to dealing drugs though because there's no no evidence of that it was just a theory that or like a rabbit hole like i said i mean none of it is obviously facts that i'm saying i just am kind of theorizing whenever i think about someone leaving on their own and being able to disappear like if they have someone else involved i always my mind always goes to like they are seeing somebody like romantically maybe that is going to help them disappear so she had somebody on the side yeah other than her boyfriend or her boyfriend helped no her boyfriend as far as they know he was not involved he was never a suspect and i'm not saying she did because for me i personally don't think she was doing anything nefarious on the side or anything like that those are just theories that have come up in researching it that i wanted to present you guys with there's one more theory though that came across around the time that she went missing and about 10 ish little under 10 years prior there were two guys two brothers actually named Anthony and Nathaniel Cook who had raped and murdered at least nine women in Toledo so the same city that Cynthia lived in they ended up getting convicted through some DNA profiling but it is theorized that maybe somehow they were involved in her disappearance there's nothing to corroborate that and no like evidence for it but you can't discount it when she fit their victim profile yeah I don't think you can discount it but I think that that can also lead off on like a whole lot of oh this person killed somebody that happened to be a female around this age like they might be in on it too it was near the area i think any case that we cover there's always that like extra person that it could be because they had a similar profile or a similar thing occur so just from what you've presented me so far i lean towards jose and richard i think they're the most likely i'm always a little hesitant when officials and investigators say this probably isn't them because I wonder if they know something we don't know. But that theory makes the most sense to me 
I feel like it absolutely makes the most sense. Were her keys or purse ever found at all? Nope. Because the thing is, the office was locked, which could point to somebody who had a key. But also, if she let someone in and they clearly took her keys or she took her keys, the keys are missing. So she had a key to the office. So they could have easily locked it, even if they didn't have their own set. Well, that's the other thing that I'm wondering is how the door worked. Was it one of those doors that was just like locked and you could open and like open it from the inside and like go out, but you couldn't come in without a key? Or is it one of the doors that you had to shut and lock from the outside, like manually lock it each time you opened it? That that would also kind of give maybe a little bit more idea of what occurred. Because if it was somebody that had to lock it from the outside and then just automatically lock like when it shut you would think that the key obviously the keys had to come in play so either somebody took her and then locked the door with her keys or she locked it when she left on her own whereas if you it just automatically locked then the keys don't really matter as much they might have just had them i mean either way we still have no information and we don't know what happened to cynthia We'd love to hear from you guys what your thoughts are and your opinions and which theory you lean towards. And if you have any other ones that we didn't talk about, absolutely let us know. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. If you would like to support us, go to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also join our Patreon family, where you can get early access to our episodes and exclusive content such as our new Monday minis and a bonus monthly episode for as little as a cup of coffee a month. Donations to our podcast are always greatly appreciated and go into making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. If interested, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you have case suggestions, feel free to reach out through any of our platforms or email at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.